the bonfires of social enterprise with Detroit-based Rami Gingrass of Gingrass Global. This is Rami, and on this episode, we get to spend time with Shell Jones of Play Place for Autism. I'm so excited to be here. I'm actually at the location, and let's first, Shell, we welcome you to the show, and we want to hear about this place. Well, thank you, Rami, for having me on board. Play Place for Autistic Children. That's a vision that uh, I kind of came up with uh, after my son was diagnosed at two and a half. And uh, there was no place for me to take him without kind of getting those judgmental stares and whispers. And so I, you know, I I went back home and I I said, let me do some research here because uh, I don't like this. You know, although he has autism and so he's totally oblivious to what's going on, it was pretty disheartening as a mom to experience that. So after loads and loads of research and not being able to find a place, you know, the light went off. And it's like, hey, you might have to do this yourself, you know. And it was a small vision and uh, eventually grew. And so now we're at 25,000 square feet and still not enough space, but we're going to work with that for now (laughs) for financial purposes. You know, it's a place where families can come and grow and receive quality time and uh, help the kids develop and help the siblings that are not affected, the neurotypical children, share in some of the fun and excitement of family. And, you know, we, we like to say it's we're kind of feeding them their vegetables without telling them it's broccoli. So we disguised it in play, which is pretty much a child's natural form of engagement. So we'll have a carousel, a playscape, a computer cafe, a laser chalkboard light room where the walls and the floor are all blackboard and they can uh, draw and do some artistic uh, performances on the wall and things like that. There will also be a Lego castle. I'm very excited about that because I like Legos myself. (laughs) Who doesn't, right? And um, we'll have a haircut hut, which is very popular so far amongst our parents because Like myself, I'm my son's barber. I can't take him to the barber shop because he's not going to accept that environment well. It's not fun. You know, they've got these scary things that buzz and they cut his hair. So, you know, that's not very welcoming for him. And so, you know, I, of course, have to cut his hair. It takes me about 45 minutes. And so I found out that there are so many moms that are barbers as, as well. So... They're, they're very excited about the haircut hut. We'll also have a birthday bunker. We'll be celebrating these birthdays here. These kids don't get invited to birthday parties, which is very, very sad. You know, um, I had to realize after my daughter was born that my son had actually not been invited to a birthday party. And um, that was, you know, pretty scary and pretty sad. So, of course, we... We'll be having that celebration here at Play Place. And not only birthdays, we'll be celebrating the small things as well. Like Johnny made his bed today or like when my son, we were in Walmart and he said potty. Didn't really sound like potty, but that's what he was saying. And then we didn't realize it until initially when he said he was in the back of the store, but he was in. we got to the front where the bathrooms were and he said potty and he pointed and then we got it. You know, it's like, oh, he's saying potty. Oh, boy, you should have saw the, the party we had after that. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll celebrate the small things. And even with the parents, we'll have a bistro where they can come and sit down and have that Me Too conversation with another parent who totally understands what they're being challenged with and perhaps be able to share some of the therapies that worked or 
that didn't work and things of that sort. So it's just, it'll be a fun place for these families to kind of help them restore some of those orphaned opportunities of normalcy to their lives, you know. So I'm, I'm excited about it, and I think a lot of other parents that are in the same boat are just as excited. Now, you've even, when we talked a, a little while ago, we met because we were doing some assessment work together. I was really amazed when you told me the story about the movie theater. Would you mind sharing that type of experience for a parent with a child with autism? Sure. So I, I am a member of the Macomb Autism Society. They put on events, or we call them autism events or sensor-friendly events, every two to three months. And um, it's it's a very exciting time for parents um, that are challenged with autism in that we don't get that opportunity very often to go to the movies or have that Friday night dinner. So it was at 9 o'clock in the morning. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't know how well attended this is going to be, but I'm going. <laughs> I will be there. So as it turns out, um, I took my son. I actually took the entire family, which was the, the beauty of it all. And um, what they do is they rent out an, uh, an entire theater, and um, everybody is affected. And so the kids can rock in the chairs, which is what they do sometimes. It's called stimming, or they make little noises and things of that sort. And it's all just a part of that whole stimming and calming process that they have to go through um, having autism. And so um, they turn up the lights so that it's not such an intimidating space, so it's not so dark and scary for the kids. And they turn down the volume so that it's not as loud, um, which speaks to the sensory issues that a lot of these kids have. And the funny thing was that when I got there, I was amazed. But surprisingly, you know, it was a good surprise that it was sold out. It was so well attended that they couldn't, they they reach their capacity. And I was thinking, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Most of these parents are probably not going to partake in this event, but it was the total opposite. And again, because we don't get that opportunity to go to a movies. Because like with my son, and which is a, a lot of times with a lot of these kids, he has to have his iPad with him to kind of keep him, you know, in that calm mode and something that's familiar to him when we're out. So, who goes to the movie with an iPad? You know, you can barely pull out your phone. <laughs> and um, someone's yelling, hey, cut that off, you know. So, you know, it was funny because as we were there and enjoying the movie, and he's, you know, he's back and forth between the iPad and looking at the screen, but it was just the exposure that I really appreciated that, you know, you never know. He, he, Some of these kids really like the movies, but they, because they don't get that exposure or that experience, it's never nurtured to help them grow and understand how to behave in a theater, that it's sort of similar to a library. Let's learn how to be quiet, you know, if that's the level that they're on at that time. But it was so funny because one of the greatest, greatest moments of just going to that theater that day was that I'm talking to my husband and just kind of just going over the goodness of the feeling to be able to to do this with the entire family. And so he, my son is on the other side of my husband. And so before I knew it, I looked over and my son was kind of like on the back of the neck of the guy in front of him. And he, the guy kind of turned towards my son and my son kissed him on the cheek. And I'm going, oh man, what is going? I'm, and, I, and I just immediately, which is what I do, I've learned to do that. 
um, profusely, I apologize, I am so sorry. And then it was so funny because, of course, it's the dad of another kid that has autism. And so he turns around and he shakes my son's hand and he says, I've just made a new best friend. And man, you know, that was just such a, a wonderful experience for me in that if it was any other situation, I don't know how that would have worked out in the end. But the, the guy was so gracious and so understanding that, you know, it almost brought me to tears. And that's just one of the wonderful experiences that they'll be able to have at play places that we all understand. And there's nobody, we're not going to get upset because he does something that's deemed otherwise in society inappropriate, you know, because we get it. And that that's going to be one of the highlights of Play Place that I think will attract yeah. these families. Yeah. I do, too. And so you're having a movie theater in Play Place, right? Yes, yes, we are. It'll be a 46-seat uh, movie theater, and we'll do film shorts as well as just regular uh, film uh, viewings. And uh, I think that it's going to be a very, very popular uh, feature of the center you know, for these kids. And not only will we be showing movies, but we will be, be employing these kids to be ticket takers and, uh, you know, sell the popcorn and things of that sort. So it's it's double fold, triple fold for this these families. It's really extraordinary. You you said to me one time, you're like, Rami, it's like a Chuck E. Cheese for families with autism. I loved that because I, I got my head wrapped around it because there's a carousel and all these amazing things in here. So let's transition. There's so many, there's so many social impact things going on here with this. When you and I were um, talking, I don't know, a couple months ago, you and I were trying to sort out how will we measure outcomes and from the social mission here and and are there any other formulas already that can express relationships from institutions and and we realized there was very few that we would just start to track the data and what are all the ways we could track the data because you in fact might become the center that starts to document what the relationships are, right? Exactly, exactly. So the thing in the autism community is that ABA is very big. It stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. And it's old, more uh, supported, and I I don't want to say more researched because it's not. Um, Play therapy, which is where we would kind of fall, is just as researched, but for whatever reason, the test involved um, with coverage insurance-wise kind of just fall more towards the ABA. And I think the thing is that they're asking for more uh, research for play. And I really want to honestly say it's because it's such a much more lax approach as opposed to ABA is basically you're the instructor, I'm the kid, and you sit directly one-on-one, and you give me some tasks to do, and if I complete them correctly, then I'm rewarded with, let's say, some cereal or a cookie or of that sort. And it's sort of like, you know, sitting across from the nun, and I have to get the assignment right, because if I don't, I have to sit across from her until I do. You know, I looked at that, and I, that model, and I said, you know, it's good, it's intense, and it does get the job done. But 
it just excludes so many other elements like socialization and just fun. And like what even neurotypical kid wants to sit across from the teacher for six hours a day? And, you know, there's like no playground fun, no excitement because the, the instructor's just driven on an educational level that I have to grind this into this kid. And it's kind of probably more grueling for her because of the autism element that's involved, so it's a slower process. Whereas play therapy is the exact opposite, where you kind of go by the child's lead as opposed to the instructor's lead, and you kind of just go into their world. So if Johnny's playing with a car, and you see that that's really got him intrigued, then we go into his world and kind of just pull things out and try to have longer conversations and focus um, points of where he's engaged and perhaps eventually embarking upon conversation or language skills that develop from there. But it's more motivating because it's play-themed. And so at Play Place, the thing would be, how can we make it where play therapy is looked upon as highly as ABA? So that will entail capturing Mm -hmm. data that supports that, um, that Nothing bad about ABA, but it's just there's some socialization that comes along with play therapy. Things that don't go along with ABA are actually present. And some of the same things that you're teaching in ABA are present in play therapy. You know, and it, and it kind of takes me back to the first time the light went off with me with wanting to set this whole community up with a play theme is that we were at Chuck E. Cheese and my son he was motivated by the fact that we were at this little game and SpongeBob would walk across the screen making those little weird noises that he makes. And um, my son was motivated to get the coin into the machine so that he could see him run across the screen, but he was having problems because it took some fine motor development and skills to get the coin into that small slot. But he didn't want me to help him. So I'm looking at that, and I'm like, wow, that's fine motor skills because he has to use his pinchers to to grab that coin, and then he has to figure out which direction or how do I position this coin to get into that slot, to get this SpongeBob guy to come across the screen. So that's when the light went off, and I'm like, okay, we need to collect that type of data, whereas let's say Paul comes in twice a week, and when he first came in, he wouldn't make eye contact with anyone. But now, since he's been coming in and it's, it's, his visits have become more frequent, he now has a favorite person uh, that he likes to say hi to or he says hi to everybody. You know, But that's data that shows that it's socialization that kicks in. Um, it's familiarity. It's just the experience. Um, and just the whole setup speaks to so much in terms of just regularly developing these kids and giving them that exposure that they need. Because if you're not exposed to something, then how do you learn how to deal with it? You know, that's just common sense. So our thing is to build the center sort of like a town. So, for instance, if now they've experienced Play Place and it's it's, it's got street signs and it's got people helping them and, and, the, and the layout and the design of it looks like a, a mall or Partridge Creek. So then now their parents outside of Play Place in real, a real life setting can go to Partridge Creek and not experience that meltdown. You know, that's huge to be able to go out and, you're, and then you can be just proud and it, and it creates that 
normalcy again that you had before the diagnosis. And that's, that's, that's big with these parents. They need that. You know, how do you nurture that? It, it helps to combat that 80% divorce rate that plagues these parents. You know, with our bistro, they'll be able to sit and learn how to have dinner and time management, that it takes 45 minutes as opposed to the 15 minutes that they're probably only going to allow you to eat. Because even now when we go out, I have to scarf down my food because I know I've got probably a 20 to 30 minute window to get food ordered, get it ate, and pay the bill. Because other than that, we're going to probably experience some unwanted behavior from my son. So that's what Play Place will bring in terms of research, something that Initially, I hadn't thought of, but we could capitalize on that in so many ways. It's just showing the community and the officials that this is such a viable situation in so many more ways than you could ever imagine. It's not just idle play. It's purpose-driven play that improves and encourages um, you know, a better tomorrow. As I listen to you, my my brain, because I measure everything, my brain goes off and thinking, gosh, you know, we can obviously see and document the improvement of the kids that come through here. But I keep thinking about this this extra ring, the, the outer ring of the family there. And how do you how do we capture? Do we give them a survey and asking them periodically? That'll just probably organically happen as you would figure out how to capture what their differences are. Um, you've got outside professionals that want to come and pay to come and study or spend time here, right? I do, I do. And again, it's just also overwhelming because I, I always tell you that my claim to fame is a mom, you know, with a son on the spectrum. So the business portion kind of just kicks in, you know, and I'm learning as I go. But then we were getting these calls from like even just teachers who in the summertime, they're on vacation with the kids, and they're like, we want to come and volunteer here to help. And they've got the experience and the, the educational background to lend to this whole model. And then we were getting calls from what they're BCBAs, which are board-certified behavioral analysts. They come in and they measure the behavior and give you advice on how to combat a, a meltdown or what it was that triggered it and how you can prevent that from happening again. And it was then that it was like, wow, you know, it impacts on so many different levels. You're under the structure of a nonprofit, but then you've got revenue that can be generated here. So additionally, you're not a traditional nonprofit. Let's go there for a second about uh, the revenue uh, potential coming in here. Um, I know there's You'll have a membership model that'll help with uh, bringing some self-sustainability. And I know from talking to you, there's a lineup, there's a waiting list <laughs> to get in here on the membership. Uh, but what are some of the revenue streams? You're going to have a store in here with specific products, the Bistro. Could you um, expand on that for me? Sure. As a part of the, the, the entire family model and trying to kind of fill in some of those areas that these parents and families don't get a chance to experience. So we'll have a bistro where the parents, again, can have that family dinner with special diets. You know, that's going to be one of our highlights is that a lot of these families have uh, or these kids are on special diets where it's gluten-free and dairy-free. So we'll offer a special diet uh, menu for that. And we'll also have a, a store, a retail store, where we'll um, have 
not just goodies for the kids, but also sensory toys that they can uh, buy and uh, pretty much um, at very discounted rates because more focus is to help these kids and provide them with tools that will help them to become more independent as opposed to just making a dollar. I'm a mom and I get it and I've been there where I've walked in the store and it's like, wow, he really needs this, but I can't afford it. Our goal is to have 50% of the staff be autism um, affected individuals that are, you know, they're getting that experience, that that employment and vocational training that uh, helps them with that. So um, in terms of just the, the revenue stream itself, it's a varied model. It wasn't set up that way. It just happened, you know, and I think that w- was just one of the blessings of, of the whole design of it all. It's going to be a fabulous a fabulous situation for again for these families. Yeah, it's really more like a city than it is a mini little city than it is a Chuck E. Cheese. I got the concept when you said Chuck E. Cheese before I came here, but when you get in here, it really is more like a city now that I we're talking about it this way. Um, let's talk about some of the folks that have come in and just really donated time, materials, everything to make this place happen. You've really been embraced by the community here in Michigan about this. I am just overwhelmed with the the community support that we've gotten in that, uh, you know, I did not have the slightest idea as to how this was going to happen, you know. Um, I didn't have a model as to the design and how how to get this where it needs to be because, of course, the vision didn't start off this big. You know, I thought the smartest thing would be to reach out to the community in terms of the building trades and construction companies. Um, I can hold a hammer, but that's the extent of, of that. So, um, you know, when I when I put the call out there, um, it was just amazing as to how they responded. And a lot of times they were not affected, but it tugged at their heartstrings. We still have lots and lots of great people in the community. And they came out, I mean, and they came out in droves in that we've got over 12 construction companies that are involved that are either donating their labor, their materials, time, expertise. They've linked us with other construction companies that they partner with, and it's just snowballed into something so beautiful. I mean, MJR came to us by way of the regional carpenters local, and they've donated 50 seats for our theater. The Somerset Mall and uh, the Apple Store have partnered together to give us all of the computers for our computer cafe. I mean, it's just really been amazing. Even who would have thought auto and autism? When we ran into, we did a, a presentation at the business development group at, for Napa, and one of the, the president at the time was affected by autism, and he totally got it. And so before you know it, they had donated $47,000 in just fundraising for us um, between 36 stores, and um, it was just amazing. So then they just, they said, okay, we're going to build out phase two and three for you guys because we believe in this so strongly. And I mean, this, the support has just been overwhelming, you know, and I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. And it just, that is my motivation as to why I keep going. It's not, it's not when I run into these walls and, and it's like, oh, you know, I should just probably call it quits. But then I go home and at night and I look at my son's face and I said, he needs this. And then it's the mom that I met the day before that came in and says, I really, really need this. That She's got the twins where one is affected and one isn't. And dad only comes to pick up the one that's not affected. I mean, that's, you know, those are heartfelt situations where it's like, okay, 
this is your calling. You need to do this. And no matter how hard it gets or it seems to be, just keep moving forward. And, and then, you know, there's God always sends me something, that signal, you know, or that person that he aligns me with that says, keep going. I'm behind you. You know, so that's that's where we are, you know, with just all of the support. And, um, you know, again, I'm just eternally grateful. Shall will you dream big for us? A big, grand vision as you think about it today. What could it be? Well, the grand plan of things would be play place for autistic children, centers everywhere, internationally. This is not just a small, locale uh, uh, epidemic situation. It's very broad. It reaches all over the world, and um, I know that this center is needed everywhere. With all the some of the darker stories out there in the news, this is such an inspiring group of people to hang out with, I have to say. All right, how do they reach you on and maybe websites, social media? Okay, we can be reached at uh, autisticplayplace.org, and uh, it, it's a great site. You can uh, view some videos and uh get on our volunteer list and our mailing list so that you know when the grand opening is going to happen and we keep you abreast as to what's going on. We share some pretty cool information. We're also on uh, Twitter at uh, Team Autism, and that's T-E-E-M, Autism. Uh, We're also on Facebook, and we do a lot of cool things there. And, again, uh, volunteer requests and uh, support. And we're on Facebook at Team Autism, T-E-A-M. And so check us out. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, we're excited to, to interact and connect, so please join us. Thank you, Shell. This has been so exciting. We look forward to walking alongside you, and right through the grand opening, we'll post all that on our Bonfires of Social Enterprise Facebook page so you can stay tracking with Shell through us as well. The Bonfires of Social Enterprise podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, listened to on TuneIn, and for more information and to directly download episodes on your desktop, Please visit bonfiresofsocialenterprise.com and find us on Twitter at Bonfires Podcast and Facebook, Bonfires of Social Enterprise. If you have time, please fill out the survey that we have on the website. It'll help us do what all social enterprises need to do, which is gather data from our listeners so that we can be better servants. I'm Rami, and I want to personally thank you for listening and sharing. Music by Dan Castle and Thomas Rojo. Portions of this podcast have been provided by Rami Jingress and copywritten 2015 Jingress Global LLC and are disseminated by Flatlands Avenue Productions by exclusive arrangement with Jingress Global LLC.